Hey there, it's Michelle Pilpich. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, Simply Intuitive. On the show, we are talking about all things intuitive eating, active living, and breaking down what's true versus what's a myth in the wellness world so that you can focus on simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the health information floating around and you just want to know what to do to feel your best, you're in the right place. Not only are specific tips coming your way, but you can also count on conversations that will challenge your perspective on what health really means. So I hope you'll stick around for many episodes to come, but for now, let's get into today's show. Okay, I am coming to you with a an early episode because usually I post these on Thursdays, but this Thursday is Thanksgiving and I wanted you to be able to listen to this before Thanksgiving because we're talking about holiday tips, tips for getting through the holidays with diety family members, body comments, stress about food, whatever it may be. There's a lot of good information in here. I talked to a fellow intuitive eating dietitian, Lauren, and she had so much great stuff to share. We had such a great conversation. I do need to warn you. We had some issues with recording. At first, the recording froze and then it wasn't recording. And like, I think I forgot to hit record after we'd be ta- been talking for like 10 minutes. So some of it might sound a little bit disjointed just at like one or two places. Um, but please bear with me because it is worth the listen. I promise you're going to get good tips and good advice and you're going to feel encouraged. So even if it like doesn't totally flow, just know that we were riding the struggle bus a little bit. I was, I was specifically, (laughs) it was a Friday and I really wanted to get this out for you by Monday. So I hope that it is still worth it to you. I know it'll be worth it. So just just let that little bit go. Um, yeah, it was still a great chat. Lauren is amazing. So definitely follow her on TikTok, on Instagram. She has a private practice. I have a private pact- private practice. Um, if you like what we're saying, you can head to the link in the show notes where I link our websites and I have a link for my free discovery call. If you want to hop on the phone and chat about working together, I offer a totally free zero commitment, um, 15 minute chat. So if you're like, you know what, this holiday season is tough. It's finally time for me to get support. Those links are all there for you. But for now, I hope you like this conversation. Again, please, (laughs) I would love some grace for just the lack of smoothness, but hopefully you don't even notice. Um, Yeah, we had the recording difficulties, but the info is there and it's going to be great. So I hope you get a chance to listen before Thanksgiving or just before any holiday gathering, even if it's kind of a little reset between Thanksgiving and Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you are celebrating. Um, And as always, if you enjoy the episode, share it with a friend, post it to your Instagram story, send me a DM and let me know what you loved. I love to hear from you and hear what resonates so that I know what else to provide. So always available to chat, but for now, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I am here with Lauren of Lauren's Balanced Bites, right, on Instagram. So you probably know her. Um, Lauren, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited as well. And literally yesterday I messaged you and was like, we need to change the topic and we need to expedite this episode because we are going to be talking about the holidays, which is a crazy time coming up. But before we dive into all of that, 
can you just introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So hi, guys. My name is Lauren. I'm a registered dietitian from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I specialize in helping people recover from eating disorders, disordered eating, years of chronic dieting. Um, I have been in this space since I started out as a dietitian around four years ago, and I've worked at all levels of care. So I've done like inpatient, partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient, and now I am full-time in private practice, which is really exciting. So I really, my, my passion is to help people just have a better relationship with food, their body, and just have joy with food again. And that really segues into what we're going to talk about today with the holidays, because the holidays should be a joyful time with food. And I feel like so many people constantly say to me that it, it's such a source of stress and it does not have to be that way. All right, here we go. I, I just have to say, so we have gone on for 10 minutes, was it 10 minutes of talking about holiday prep and that was not recording. We had some issues here. Okay, it's Friday. It's Friday. Just talk it up. (laughs) It's Friday. I was trying so hard to make sure we were recording because it looked iffy and then we weren't. So we are really ready now because we've had some practice talking through all these things to help you prep for the holidays. And we're going to dive right into some of those challenges. The first one being family members commenting on your body or actually you know what let's change the order now because that this is going to feel too weird (laughs) we'll do that second let's talk about if you get to the thanksgiving dinner table and uh, your family is on their own diet and they are talking about their diet plan whatever it may be and so you're sitting next to aunt sally and she's like oh no, I don't want the rolls. I'm not eating carbs this week. How would you respond to somebody who won't stop talking about their diet? Well, I think it's first important to point out that someone who won't stop talking about their diet is obsessed with food because they're hungry. So it is like the only (laughs) thing they want to talk about. Like I say this to so many of my clients, like if someone is talking about food all the time and you know they're actively dieting, know that they're talking about food because it's truly the only thing they can think about because they are hungry. Mm -hmm. So I want to start out with that. Um, You do have options for how you want to respond and it depends on your comfort level with this person. So you could choose to say nothing and then work on like how you're reframing, you know, in your own head, like how you're handling, you know, that comment and what is triggering about that to you and then how you can reframe in your own head. So you can choose to say nothing if you're not a very confrontational person like me. Um, <laughs> you, you can also choose to maybe go sit somewhere else, like very subtly be like, oh, I forgot to get like, you know, the green bean casserole and then like go sit somewhere else after right. that. So <laughs> remove yourself, I guess, would be how yeah. you could label that one. Um, And then you could choose to say something. So if they say, oh, I'm not having the dinner roll or the mashed potato or the sweet potato casserole because I'm doing keto or I'm doing low carb or I'm only eating meat or all the things that we unfortunately hear people say that we know aren't very helpful. You can say like, oh, man, like the sweet potato casserole, like that's my favorite part. And that's what I find most satisfying. So, you know, for me, it, it doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense to avoid that because it's what I've looked forward to the most. And I know it's going to make me feel energized and it's my favorite part of the day. Like 
something very just food positive like that. Um, Right. I mean, I always tell my clients, you know, when people are making those comments, they just want to commiserate. And we're so used to bonding over negative things that they expect a response of your diet or what you're not eating. And so when you kind of surprise someone with just the complete opposite reaction of something so positive of like, oh yeah, I skipped the bread one year, but like, that was so miserable. I'm going to have it now. And you just show them, I do not engage with this. Then Mm -hmm. it can surprise them to the point where they won't have anything else to say. Yeah. Yeah. You could also even say what they're probably going to go through too of like, been there, done that, you know, and when I did skip the bread, when I did skip the carbs, I noticed I would come home and read my pantry because I was never satisfied. And you could even share your own experience, like you said, because then they can maybe ask you a question of like, oh, that's interesting. I do find that when I don't have what I want, you know, I end up feeling like a bottomless pit or whatever, you know, they're going to say, but sometimes it is helpful to like even the playing field and be like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Um, Mm -hmm. but here's why I'm not (laughs) anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have that chance to possibly plant a seed of intuitive eating and of this better approach that hopefully you're finding. And I really like what you said about just realizing that they're talking about it because they're hungry. Like, yes, anyone who can't stop talking about their diet is obsessed with food in a negative way. Um, And, you know, if you've been through that, then you know what that feels like. And so I also will encourage my clients to try, and this is so much easier said than done, but try to have the approach of compassion and just do that internal reframe of like, wow, that's so sad that the only thing this person can talk about right now is food. And so even though it is driving me crazy, I just want to realize that like they're in a really tough spot and I can just let it be. Yeah. I feel like there is different phases of when you know you're growing with your own relationship Mm -hmm. to food and healing. Because I think initially, if you're in the beginnings of healing your relationship to food, it can be very common and very normal for you to hear someone say something like, oh, I'm not eating the bread or I'm not eating the dessert. And you can feel guilty and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And I think Mm -hmm. what a, a very untalked about, but very pivotal sign of where you are in your healing journey is if you hit a point where someone says something like that and you're able to say like not question yourself and not feel guilt yourself but instead Mm -hmm. feel sorry for that person knowing like oof like I've been there I no longer want that I no longer am even feeling guilty with hearing them say that but instead I'm like so thankful that I feel solid with what my choices are. And that's mm-hmm. that's like such a breakthrough if you are at that point. So if you're the person listening to this who maybe recognize or has trouble recognizing signs of progress and you resonate with that, just know that's like a really huge sign of progress. It is. It's huge. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about kind of the steps before that. Let's say someone does hear this diet talk and they start to think, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't be having the bread. Maybe I should skip the stuffing. Like I am struggling with my body image and maybe I'd feel better if I was dieting like this person. What are some tips you would have for that person? Yeah. So when you have that thought of maybe I should do this, 
normalize that there's a part of your brain that wants to fix something and to give you like this warm, comfy blanket immediately. It it wants to say like, okay, if you do this, you will get this result. However quickly it's making you think that. So have compassion for that voice trying to like make you feel comfortable, but then recognize through your own past experiences it's such a fleeting sense of comfort. So reflect on like, okay, typically dieting is a cycle. So if you have this urge of like, okay, maybe I should do this. Think about what happened the last time I did do that. You know, how long did it actually make me feel better for? And what what is the unmet need here? Like, what am I actually uncomfortable with? And then that's something you can talk to, of course, with a dietitian if you're working with someone um, to get to like the, the core unmet need that the restriction is trying to provide comfort for when it's just going to leave you in that loop of restriction, guilt, shame, you know, to then feeling like you need to start something new again and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, you know, exactly what you said of like wanting that immediate comfort and relief and kind of like instant gratification. That's part of why this process is so challenging is because it really does require short-term discomfort in order to get to the long-term peace and comfort and freedom and everything. And we're just not used to doing that because we want to feel good in the short term. So like recognizing and reminding yourself, this is for the long game is really important. And, you know, like you mentioned, removing yourself from situations. I think that's also something really helpful for people to do when they are starting to question themselves and have a note on your phone where you wrote down like all of the reasons why you're not dieting, anything from this episode that resonates, anything that you've talked about with your dietitian or like whatever your kind of reasons for recovery, reasons for intuitive eating are, have those reminders handy so that you can step away and focus on those or like text a friend or somebody who is maybe in this with you and just keep repeating to yourself why you're not going down that path again. Yeah. Coming back to your why is always a good decision because your why is probably why you're even listening to this episode right now. Like what is the reason for not dieting? And I say to every single client, giving up dieting is one of the hardest choices that you can make because you don't know what will happen. And the reason diets and the diet industry is like a multi-billion dollar, I don't know what it's at now, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry is because it promises people something and you start something knowing like, okay, if I do this, this will be the outcome. However, you have to kind of keep doing it. Like I'm pretty sure the average person has done like 126 diets or something like that. I read that the other day, which is crazy. So the scariest part of giving that up is knowing that with intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food, your dietitian or your team will say like, Hey, this is the road less traveled. Like we can't tell you exactly what lies, you know, at the end of this, but we can tell you that you're going to mentally feel so much freer and you will also be physically healthier in the long run too, but you have to go through that discomfort and that unknown to get there. Right. And, you know, you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to look like or feel like, but you do know what the diets feel like. And you do know that those didn't feel good. And so, you know, I always encourage people to think about that. Like, is it worth pursuing this unknown 
just to see because you can always go back to dieting. It's always going to be there for you, unfortunately. Um, but you have this other opportunity, like why not figure out what it's going to feel like? Okay. So (laughs) I just can't not laugh with this. We're having a day. This is the third little like disjointed piece of this recording. Um, but we're going to go on to a new topic and let's chat about how to deal with comments from family on your body size, because unfortunately people think that's okay. And I think especially in like certain cultures, it's just more normal to be very blunt about appearance. And that's really challenging for a lot of people when they see their extended family. So what kind of tips do you have for handling body comments? Yeah, this is such a hard one. Cause like you said, I think, um, in certain cultures, it can be something that they think is like endearing too. And it might be like a major shift for you to no longer feel okay with that. So like you could throw some of your family members off if they've been making these comments for years and then all of a sudden you're just like not okay with it. But it's it's very similar in a way to the food stuff where you can say, you can set a boundary in the moment of like, hey, I know we've talked about my body or bodies in general before but I'd like for us to try to not talk about that this year. I'm trying to focus on not talking about physical bodies anymore. It just makes me feel better. So I'm just not going to be engaging in that. Um, You can do it in the moment or you can do it beforehand. Like if you know there's a family member that always makes a comment on your weight and you don't want that to happen, you can send them a text message beforehand and just say like, hey, so excited to celebrate Thanksgiving or whatever holiday it is with you. I just want to give you a heads up that I just don't want to be talking about like my body and body changes of any kind this year because it just doesn't put me in a good headspace. You could say that. Um, and you can also try to avoid it too. Like you can yeah. try to avoid that conversation even going in that direction if possible as well. Mm-hmm. So kind of similar to the food stuff. Right. You know, I've heard of some people being really clear with their family, setting those boundaries once they have kids and then telling the extended family like, hey, I have decided that around my children, it's going to be a no body talk zone. So like, please know when you're coming to our house, if you're hosting or just like when you're around my children, like no body talk is the boundary I am setting. So even if it's something you're working on for yourself, like you can still kind of use the whole family unit as like an out if you don't want to be super personal and vulnerable with this person and just be like hey like this is how I'm protecting my children even if it's also how you're protecting yourself because like that's totally fine Um, it can just be a little bit more private because depending on the person like you may or may not want to share what you're working on and what you're going through with your own body image journey yeah no I love that like making it a Uh, cohesive kind of event of like, this is going to be a body neutral, food neutral Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. So you can even send like a group text or a family text this year. We will not be making these comments um, just so that everybody can be catching up on all the other important things that are going on. Right, right. And use us as an out. You could be like, I listened to such a great podcast and these dietitians had an idea of a food, a body neutral, food neutral Thanksgiving. Like, let's try it out and just put it out there as that. Um, And that could be something 
to set out there because yeah, I think those like subtle ways can be helpful. And what I mentioned before when we recorded, but didn't accidentally (laughs) was this tip that I just love so much that can be like a little bit sassy, but it's not mean at all. And the example used was in for like women in the corporate world, when you're in meetings and just kind of being shut down or ignored or whatever, if somebody's making comments that are rude or just not helpful to just very subtly be like, oh, what did you say? And make the person repeat themselves so that when they repeat themselves, they're forced to really think about what they're saying and then hopefully realize, oh, this is actually not appropriate and could be harmful. And so if somebody is saying like, man, you look like you put on a few pounds, you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? And if they have to say that again, hopefully they will realize, oh, that's actually not something okay to say. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I love that one. And I think you could also say that even if it's not like a body comment, but if it's a food comment, if they're like, yes, did you go back for a second? So are you really going to eat all that? You could literally mm-hmm. say the same thing. Wait, what did you just say? And right. if they say that again and they're like, uh, you know, maybe hopefully fingers crossed, they yeah. stop themselves and they recognize like they try to spin it into something better right. or they just recognize like, ooh maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, I love that. I think and that's there are great. like different levels of playfulness. I saw a TikTok where some girl was like, man, you really said that. And just kind of like being obvious with like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked that you're saying that. Because I think a lot of times we're so, un- I know at least for me, we're so uncomfortable and like afraid to yeah. confront or criticize that we just kind of laugh things off, even though it's like deeply painful or uncomfortable. And calling it out if you're comfortable in a gentle or playful way is oftentimes what those people need because they just like have not realized what they're saying because it's so the norm in our culture. Yeah. It even makes me think that if someone says a comment like that, you can be like, oh, wait, it's 2023, right? Like I left all that in 2015, (laughs) 2016, like, because it is like, you you can almost be like, oh, I felt like that was such a trend. Like that is so like outdated to you now. Um, And I think that can make light of it too. Yes. I was literally saying on a previous podcast that (laughs) I actually said that to people. Um, There were these like college frat boys on the train once and this one guy was like making fun of his friend and just would not stop. And he kept calling him the R word. And as I got off the train and walked by them, I just turned to him and I was like, people don't say that anymore. And just like walked away. And his jaw was on the floor because I'm sure this like king of the world frat star has never been put in his place. And that's something that's actually like not okay. But same thing here, you know, it is not okay to comment on people's bodies. And so I love that tactic of just like, wow, we don't do that anymore. Like, this is so old news. Yeah. I'm so happy you said something because hopefully was so that was the shit. Like <laughs> oh, I know. I'm like so non-confrontational. So that would like literally probably leave my whole body like convulsing. I'd be so nervous. <laughs> but it's like but so like necessary. Debating. Yeah. 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 And it's easier when like, you know, it's not a family member who then you're spending the whole day with or something. But if you can muster the courage for those few moments, like, yes, it'll be uncomfortable in the moment. And then hopefully it really leaves a mark and you never know. Like, I think it is all about planting the seeds and things might not change immediately, but you're at least reaffirming for yourself 
what you want to be firm in and then hopefully like they think about it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I think this part didn't get recorded, but like we were saying earlier too, like yeah. if you, let's say they keep going and it's something yes. that doesn't change, like what can you do in those moments? And I think the most important thing to reflect back on is like, what is triggering about that conversation to you because a lot of times what is triggering to you like we can't remove all the triggers in the world I wish we could when it comes to food and diet talk but if there is something that is like really sticking with you the person keeps going it's not stopping think about like what is this telling me about something that I still maybe need to work on myself so that I can be around these triggers and have it not be as triggering too and and that's hard Um, but that can be like another helpful thing going into the holidays for you to think about of like, be curious, like, what are the things that come up that you notice are stinging still? Um, and you can try to make it better. Like you can try to set those boundaries. And even with those boundaries, if you find yourself reflecting on like, Ooh, like so-and-so said X, Y, Z. And like, that made me, that still like was, you know, uh, a difficult thing for me to hear. It can help you assess where there's still room for growth. Exactly. I love that. You know, I always tell my clients like there are no failures. It's just information. And so even if something feels like it doesn't go well, it's information on what's still hard. And of course, the things that you are most self-conscious about are going to be the hardest. Like if somebody says they don't like your outfit, but it's an outfit you absolutely love and feel confident in, it's probably going to roll off your back. But if somebody were to tell me they don't like my hair right now while I'm regretting cutting my hair and like just wish it were longer, I'm going to be really upset, you know? So it is that information. And I think that's, that's so smart. And then just like jot down notes on your phone, do whatever you need to, to just kind of tuck that away for later when you have the time to really reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah. I always say be curious and not judgmental. So that's a good like mantra for you to go into the holidays with. Like try to stay curious and not judgmental. Don't get mad at yourself. If there's something that like stings or don't get mad at yourself, if there's something that you wish went better, like for example, if let's say you do feel uncomfortable, you know, after um, your eating experiences and you feel guilty and you're feeling like you just messed up, quote unquote, um, a lot of times you can go into like that shame, that shame spiral. And before you do that, if you're repeating to yourself like this, this holiday season, I'm going to be curious instead of judgmental. It can help you recognize, like you said, there's no failures. Like there's just information. What, what right. really, what really made me uncomfortable here? What really happened here that I can try to reflect on for the next like holiday gathering too? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think this part got recorded either, but I want to talk about what is so, so common, um, either from the lens of like maybe someone in recovery who needed to weight restore and they might be at a different weight than they were and they get the comment, you look so healthy, you look so good, something vague that makes your head spin. Or maybe someone, you know, I am at a phase of life where many of my friends are having kids and then there's this pressure to lose weight and maybe they're hoping to get compliments on looking good and maybe someone doesn't say anything and then you're spiraling like, well, did I not lose enough weight? What's happening? So when there are those vague messages and you're left with your self-conscious thoughts, just telling you that it's all the worst things in the world, what do you say to those people? Yeah. I mean, those situations. So like 
there's different answers for both of those situations. So let's say it is the postpartum mama who maybe is like really struggling with the body changes that happen with pregnancy and maybe part of them wants someone to say something that they look good because they feel uncomfortable and they want, you know, what they consider to be a confidence boost. I say this to a lot of my clients that a lot of people who struggle with food and body are typically very high achieving, very intelligent. A lot of athletes I work with, I know you do too, um, Mm -hmm. who are used to getting validation and validation makes you feel really good. So for example, and this this transfers over into all different parts of life, including like this postpartum era. So for example, if you're that postpartum mama who when you were younger, you were an athlete or you were, you know, a straight A student and you got validation constantly from your parents for like being the quote unquote best at something. This can carry over into your adult life with your career or even with your body that you feel like to feel okay or to feel worthy or to feel like you're doing something right that you need to have validation. So you can be seeking that in your body if you're not having like those other areas of your life, like grades and, you know, um, sports where you used to get it in. And instead of constantly seeking that validation from others, you have to have awareness that like, oh, this is why I am this way. Like I always felt good when I got this growing up and I always seeked it from others, but I never gave it to myself. So you have to practice giving yourself that validation of like, I am okay. And even if I'm not, you know, the straight A student, or even if my body isn't what I'm comfortable with right now, it's still okay. So that's kind of what I would say to that person. And then if it's the other scenario of someone who is weight restoring and they needed to gain weight, they gained weight and they are healthier, you can still feel like so sick, even if your body appears more physically healthy. And I think that's what most of my clients in that situation struggle with the most is feeling like on the outside, if they look more physically well, but on the inside, they're still like grasping, you know, so hard for, Um, like they just feel so uncomfortable and hearing that makes them think people think they're okay when they don't feel okay on the inside. Um, that's like a different scenario where you have to recognize that that comment of someone saying you look healthy is of course well-intended and what you're probably struggling with is more so that you want them to know like, yeah, maybe I do look healthier, but I I'm still struggling and you kind of have to communicate your needs. So depending upon who the person is, if you feel comfortable with them, like if it's someone you're close to, um, and you want to have a conversation with them, you can say, you know, yeah, like I've been doing a a lot of work to get to this point and I'm proud of myself, but there's still like work, you know, I need to do to feel okay with this. Um, I mean, I tell so many of my clients that I think oftentimes when, if it's someone who has maybe been to residential treatment or PHP or higher levels of care, sometimes when they step down to us and are an outpatient, that can be the hardest because things are not so extreme where you know, okay, this is obviously harmful, but you're at this point where you're like, I've done so much work and yet there's still more to do. Like this feels unbearable and it feels so hard and never ending. And so yeah, if you can have an ally in that situation, whether it's like someone else in your family, maybe it's a friend you text, maybe you like email your dietitian the recap just to get it out and send it to someone, like have a place for that. Um, and again, that self-validation of like, yeah, this is really hard, 
I know this is really hard. I know that this person means well and doesn't know the whole story. And so can you kind of just like tell yourself what they, um, what you know they're trying to communicate. And also going back to that, um, kind of like looking for validation and everything from your body, I think another big piece of this can be identity. And a lot of people, whether they have been restricting and they are used to being in a a small body, or maybe it's someone who was in a smaller size pre-pregnancy, like that being slim, being thin, being small is often praised so much. Maybe you just genetically are or were small and we're always told by your family, oh my gosh, you're so skinny. And then for whatever reason your body changes, it can feel like I've lost my identity. And like, if people aren't complimenting this anymore, then now there must be something wrong with me. And it can feel so uncomfortable when you have like got this praise for something that you really had no control over. And then suddenly it's gone. Yeah, no, I, I resonate so hard with that because when I was in high school, I played soccer and I was always, always told, like I was like a late bloomer and I was always told like, play big, play big. Like I was always told you're tiny, you need to play big because like you're a small person. And I remember the shift so quickly of all of a sudden those comments stopped. Like, don't play big. You're not so tiny. Like, and it, it didn't hit me all at once, but like looking back, those comments of like play big and oh, you're tiny, like no one meant any ill will by that. But it is so true that once a comment like that stops, you can be like, well, is something wrong now? Am I not tiny now? Am I not okay now? Like that's really what you're asking yourself. Um, so just know that if you feel that way, you're not alone. Like I've, I've been there and it's very it's very interesting um, when you recognize like you heard things your whole life and you didn't really notice like the weight that they carried until all of a sudden you feel like those things are no longer said um, mm-hmm. and they just like stop. But it doesn't mean that's any that anything's wrong. And it's actually such a great time for you to do the inner work of like, okay, who am I if I don't get these comments? Like, who am I really? Because if if you're just used to getting these body comments all the time, that really says nothing about you. And this is like a morbid thing I I say often, but I'll say to my clients, like one day when you die, there's not going to be on your tombstone, like so-and-so, you know, five foot, whatever, X weight, like whatever, like that's not what people are going to to write, or I hope at least that's not what they care about. So like doing doing this work is the time for you to really like dig deeper and be like, okay, what do I what do I really want to be known for? Like what are my values? And if it, it's okay to notice it's uncomfortable to not have those comments anymore, but it's also a beautiful thing to start to get like different comments of like you, you know, bring so much energy to the room or you seriously have the best advice. Like those kinds of comments. Yeah are so much better um so and much more yeah it just means so much more yeah and then it shows you that the person like really knows you and doesn't just look at you and I have had similar experiences as well and, and this kind of leads me into our our next topic because I just like genetically am built like my dad and was always like long and lean and that build and so did get comments when I was little about oh like the whole like, you're so lucky you can eat this or like, oh, eat more, you're so skinny. And that's kind of like forcing food can be really challenging for people, no matter their size, whether it's because someone thinks you need to gain weight or 
you know, oftentimes it's just from love. I think a lot of like the grandmother figure of like trying to force feed all the grandchildren. Um, and that's a really tough scenario for people who are working on honoring their hunger and fullness and maybe someone who has struggled with binge eating and like doesn't want to feel uncomfortably full and is really trying to honor their body and paying attention to their internal cues. But then somebody is telling them, eat more, eat more. You didn't finish. What's wrong? Do you not like it? All of those triggering things. What are your thoughts on that situation? My thoughts are you have full permission to say yes to food and you also have full permission to say no. So, and that's like in the intuitive eating book, I think it's called like the intuitive eating, like bill of rights, I believe is what it's called. And it, it goes through, but I think I'm making that up. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's the intuitive eating bill of rights. And it, it, cause you, when you're healing your relationship to food, a lot of times in the beginning, like you have trouble saying yes, you have trouble saying yes to like these fun play foods. And then you can get to a point where then you can be like, okay, am I bad if I, if I don't want this? Like, what if I don't want the apple pie? Like, does that mean I'm dieting? Like you can have like these thoughts and, you know, realistically, if you, if you've read the book or if you've done the workbook or if you've worked with the dietitian, you'll come to the point where it's like intention matters. So what is the reason for the why? What is the reason for the no? But if you recognize like I'm full, you know, I love my grandma. I don't want, but I don't want her apple pie right now. You can say like, thank you so much for the offer. I can't wait to eat this when I'm hungry again, but right now is just not the time. So you have full permission to say yes. And you have also full permission to say no. And it's just important for you to reflect on your intention for the no, if you have struggled with restriction in the past. Absolutely. Someone mentioned to me either in a TikTok comment or on Instagram, this idea that they feel what they called future FOMO. And like, if I eat this dessert that comes out first, then what if a better dessert comes out and then a better one? And then I just like keep wanting more and more and I feel uncomfortable. And so I think the idea of like having permission to have it later is really relevant there. And with just like saying no, if you're full, because that is that full permission for food and that food freedom where when it's not like a scarce resource and you don't only give yourself conditional permission, then you don't have to have it every time. You don't have that FOMO because you know that you can have enjoyable things whenever you want. And so I this episode will be going up on Monday before Thanksgiving. So if you are listening to this when it comes out, I think my biggest tip would be have fun foods now. Like if you are waiting until Thursday to have them, don't do that. That's going to give you that feeling and pressure of like needing to have everything. But if you allow yourself to have fun foods every day, whether it's in the middle of the day or in the evening or right after breakfast, like then you just get yourself used to having pleasure every day throughout the day. And it's not so triggering when you suddenly have this like super pleasurable experience and then feel like, okay, well now I need to go overboard because I don't know when I'm going to get it again. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that scarcity mindset that you're describing is what I think that TikTok comment, I guess, was describing of like, well, what if something better comes out? And that is like in the intuitive eating world, what we call feeling like there's scarcity with food, feeling like, oh, like this will be gone and I won't be able to have this opportunity again. And really when you're preparing for any holiday, Thanksgiving, like whatever holidays you celebrate or birthdays or whatever it is, it's so important that you allow yourself 
to know that like you, these foods aren't going anywhere. There's certain foods that we can't have all the time because maybe you don't make it and it's not in the grocery store all the time. But for the most part, we live in a world where you can have like these fun foods pretty often. And the more that you give yourself permission, the less power that you feel like these foods have over you. And I always say to my clients, like you want to make you, the best feeling is when you feel like you're in the driver's seat with your food decisions. You don't feel compulsive and it doesn't feel sneaky and it doesn't feel you know, wrong in any way, but it feels like a choice that you made and you feel confident in. And that also goes with, with preparing for the holidays, not only adding in those play foods and those fun foods so that you don't like feel like they're on this pedestal come the day of the event. But I also get questions like, what should I be doing to prepare? I did like this um, interview for like a local newspaper recently about like mindful eating around the holidays. And she was like, so do you think that people should like work out the day of the event? Do you think like, what do you think they should do? And I think we can get into that now that I said, you know, if you typically work out on a Thursday and it happens to work with your schedule that day, this Thanksgiving, then for sure, like you can do whatever you typically do, but by no means do you have to, to earn, to earn quote unquote, because we don't earn yeah. food. Um, and by no means do you need to, to like feel confident going in to that day. So I think if you're the person going back and forth, like, will I have time? Will I not have time? Should I do the turkey trot? Should I not, okay. you know, if you, if that sounds good, if it sounds like it's going to be like a a joyful event, of course, like do that, but just know that you don't earn more food because of it. And you don't earn less food if you didn't. Right. Because that is taking you away from those internal cues. And the way I like to kind of simplify intuitive eating for people is like, it's a shift away from the external rules towards the internal guidance. And so if you are focusing on okay, I need to burn calories to earn calories. That's not what your body is saying internally. Like you're not counting calories. Your stomach is not counting calories. And so you want to think about the experience that you want to have. And, you know, I personally love to run. I love the turkey trot. I know it's like a love or hate thing. <laughs> I love it for because it's fun. Like, Uh, The one that's near me is a really big race and people dress up and it's usually great weather. Like I love the fall. So it's just a fun experience and a great way to start the day. Have there been years I didn't do it? Yes. I'm like, did that change how I ate? No, because it's all, it's all the same. And so thinking about like, what do I want my mental, emotional, just overall experience to be? Is so much more helpful than trying to predict like, well, what do I want to eat later? And then what do I have to do now? And then same thing the day after. Like, you don't have to go to the 6 a.m. spin class just because you had two slices of pumpkin pie. It's all about what you are intuitively wanting and what sounds good, not punishing. Yeah. I just made a TikTok the other day and I used the analogy because I know you said you have a dog. And I I said, Mm -hmm. if you have a dog or any animal. And let's say that you have like a gathering and your friends are over and they give your dog a few more treats than it's typically used to. The next day, would you not give your dog breakfast? And yeah, of course. I was like, (laughs) I was like, hopefully you wouldn't restrict like your sweet little baby of breakfast because your dog doesn't know like why you would do that. And you have to treat your body the same way. Your body, even if you have more sweets than normal on a holiday, and let's say you are coming out and you're just feeling guilty and like you overdid it and you do feel like you eat eat past fullness, there's nothing that you need to do the next day other than pick up with your normal routine. So 
have breakfast, drink water, go about your day as normal. And I love using that analogy of the animal of the dog because you would never, hopefully at least not give your dog breakfast just because it got more treats the night before. You would give it breakfast and honestly, your dog might not finish it if it's like still full from the night before. And that is an example of an intuitive eater. Yes. I think dogs are very intuitive. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. such a great example. And I mean, animals are the perfect analogy for body image as well. I like to talk about that. Like the way you're speaking to yourself, would you ever say that to your dog? If it Mm -hmm. gained a few pounds, like, no, that's just ridiculous. So love, love that analogy. And you mentioned eating past fullness, which I also want to touch on because that is a normal experience. And I was thinking about this as we were talking about, um, you know, some foods are not available all the time. Maybe you do truly only eat pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. And so maybe you do want to have two slices, even if you're, or three slices or whatever you're going to have, like maybe you eat more than what you're purely physically hungry for because it's enjoyable and you want to savor it. And if you get to that point of being overly full, that's normal. That's not a failure. Everybody has that experience, even intuitive eaters. And there are lots of things to do to help yourself cope with that. Um, So some of it can be, you know, I think this idea of like, go for a walk after your meal can be very diet culture at times. And it's like, help your digestion, blah, blah, blah. But it can help if that feels good to you. You can like get outside, get some slow, chill movement. You don't have to like immediately go into the family football game, like running around to burn it off. Um, But some movement can help. What are other things you find helpful? Yeah. um, Drinking water is Mm -hmm. a, a really easy one. Like a lot of times if you feel like you had more than you felt comfortable with, Um, you can also reflect on what I was saying earlier of, did it feel like your choice? Like if you knew like, oh my gosh, this pie, I love it. And it's, you know, my grandma's or my aunt's and I don't get it all the time. And you have three slices and it was your choice. And that's totally okay. So I just wanted to say, I, I, you know, fully agree with that. And it's so important for people to hear that. Or even I've, I've shared, like, if you're on vacation and you have like this delicious meal and you can't be there all the time, like if it's your choice to eat more than you typically would, and you know, you're going to be overly full, it was your choice. And you, and I'm like, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but anyway, so moving on from that, you can just drink water to help your digestion. Like that's one of the easiest things you can do. You can get some fresh air, like the walking thing. Like you said, it can easily be turned into like a diet culture thing. But realistically, like we're not suggesting to go on a power walk and like record an exercise. It's more so like get some fresh air, get your digestive system moving. um, And your body, honestly, like gentle movement goes a long way. So I think people do turn it into a diety thing of like, oh, I got to go on like a power walk. And it's like, no, just get outside, walk around, like go get your mail, whatever, come back in. That can even help. Um, And then you can also just try to focus on the present again. I think if you notice you're like in that guilt and shame spiral, it can like remove you from the present. You might notice you get quiet at the event. Mm -hmm. So try to kind of catch yourself and be like, what's actually going on around me? Like, who do I want to like talk to right now? And just get back into the present moment. Right. And like, maybe you do want to lay down, take a nap, just kind of veg out a little. And like, that's okay too. That is part of what the holidays are about is like just relaxing. 
watch football. Yeah. Yes. Just enjoy watch it. The dog show. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I always love on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, oh, there was something else I was about to say, and I totally lost it. We have covered a lot of ground. Is there anything at this point that I missed that you notice um, coming up with your clients a lot? No, I feel like this is good. I mean, the theme of the week for my clients was really like, how are you feeling going into the holidays? I gave them the reminders. I think this is the last thing that we didn't cover, actually. The day of the event, make sure you eat as normally. Like I know we said like the exercise, you know, if you typically exercise, exercise as normally if it fits within your schedule. Same thing with eating. Like don't save up. Like just Mm -hmm. do not save up your calories. It never works. It never makes you enjoy the day better. It never makes you feel good going into it. It actually makes you not focus on the present and the people who are talking about food the most at the holidays are the ones who probably didn't eat going into the event because they're hangry. So they're talking about food and our brains are (laughs) hardwired to talk about food if we're hungry. So just make sure you go into the day. If you eat Thanksgiving, I know some people are like, you know, afternoon Thanksgiving-ers. If you eat afternoon Thanksgiving, make sure you have your normal breakfast. If you eat Thanksgiving dinner at dinner time, make sure you have breakfast and lunch and like whatever you typically have. Um, And just treat the day as normal. Yeah. And if it's at a weird time, I know my family typically does like a four or five o'clock Thanksgiving dinner. And so you can sort of eat by the clock in that case, like make sure you're eating every three to four hours, not going a long stretch without food. And also don't be afraid to be the only person who's eating a normal lunch before Thanksgiving dinner, because that is often me. A lot of times my family will host and put out like appetizers at lunchtime and it's like okay don't eat too much because we're gonna have an early dinner and if those appetizers are out at one o'clock and we're eating dinner at five or 5 30 I'm gonna be hungry for a meal at five even if I eat a meal at one and so yes I'll have the appetizers and then also add something else or I'll make a full lunch plate out of all the like meats and cheeses and crackers that are out and so Don't be afraid to have more than other people. Don't be afraid to like really stay firm in how you want to be acting around food and like give yourself a full meal, even if nobody else is. It's just going to set you up for success, set you up to feel better, to not be stressed, to not be overly hungry. And like it is totally okay to be the only one doing it. You won't be the only one doing it because I'll be doing it (laughs) at my (laughs) gathering. Um, Yeah. So I. Yeah. I want to encourage people there. Yeah, no, I I love that. And just remember that if you are the only one eating and everyone else isn't like, or they're saving up just because that's normalized doesn't mean it's normal. So you can feel like what you're doing is abnormal, but I think you would, you and I both agree here that it's actually not like it is abnormal to save up and to restrict. Like, so just because that is normalized in our culture does not mean it's, it's normal Um, and I just can't say that enough as like a constant, Mm -hmm. another mantra you can repeat to yourself throughout the holidays, just because people are normalizing all the diets they're doing or all the crazy things they're doing to, you know, earn food or whatever it is they're saying. And people just are so used to hearing that nowadays, which is sad. Um, so you can just repeat to yourself just because it's normalized doesn't mean it's normal. And then you can reflect been there, done that. I know why I'm not now. Yes, I love that. I mean, what I always say is like, it's common, it's not normal. Same, yes. Same sentiment. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so 
True. And I also like to remind people, you know, you might be looking at someone and thinking like, oh my gosh, they're so thin. They have the perfect body and they're skipping lunch and that's why they have that. But we never know how anyone else feels inside of their body. They might be ignoring their hunger. They might be feeling really uncomfortable. They might have a stomachache. They might be lightheaded. Like you just never know what their internal experience is. So there's no point in comparing. Exactly. And we all metabolize food differently. Like you and I could eat the same exact food, live the same exact lifestyle, do pretty much the same exact day-to-day schedule and look very different physically. And the person who is restricting, even if they are in a thinner body, you have no idea. Like they could be binging at night. Like they could be really struggling. So um, just just remember that their body is not a a statement of, like you said, how they feel with Mm -hmm. food. And how their relationship to food truly is. Yes. Amazing. We finally got through. <laughs> we, yes, we finally yes. did it. With all our recording glitches, I feel like we covered lots of ground, gave lots of tips. So thank you for bearing with me, Lauren. Oh um, my gosh, of course. This was fun. Yeah, this was so great. Can you share with everyone how they can keep up with you? Yeah, so you guys can follow along. I am on TikTok actually most of the time these days at Lauren's Balance Bites. And I'm also on Instagram at Lauren's Balance Bites. And you can check out my website, which is www.laurensbalancebites.com. Amazing. And I will link everything. And I need to know what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Pumpkin pie is definitely my favorite. I'm also the person who I will have that for breakfast the next day. I was and... going to say, yes, oh, every time. I have it for it's breakfast so like, until we run out every day. <laughs> so good. And this year I'm a little nervous because I'm making it myself. So I've never made it myself. My mom put me in charge. My grandma used to make all the pies and she's just older now and we're taking that off her back. So yeah, uh, yeah maybe if you're following me on social media, just I'll, I'll show you guys how it turns out. I might buy a back <laughs> pie just in case. I know it's not that hard, It'll but be great. I just hope yeah. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh, that's so funny. I do love a good pumpkin pie. Stuffing though. Stuffing is like what yeah. I always look forward to the most. I think I've heard that the most this year from my clients, like stuffing is their thing. And I like stuffing, but I'm more of like a mashed potatoes girl at the dinner. Um, But stuffing is definitely a fan favorite. Yeah. The funniest like family story is that my dad always says when he was in college and like broke and needing to get food for himself, he would make himself stuffing sandwiches. Like, my oh. mom did that too. She was like, I would buy stovetop stuffing. She was like, <laughs> you have no idea in college. She always says, she's like, in college, I lived off of hot dogs that she wouldn't even cook. Like she would just like eat because they're pre-cooked oh on like gosh. lettuce and stovetop oh, stuffing a box of it and would eat that like as dinner. And yeah. she was like, that was, you know, my diet. And I was like, that's good for you, mom. <laughs> like, I don't I know. know. I'm like, that stuff is so like. Talk about the opposite of diet culture, like bread on bread. It was like, cool. I know. I know. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll try it. That's so funny. All right. Well, I will tag you everywhere um, so that people can find you. Thanks again for coming and have a great holiday season. You too. Thanks so much for letting me come on. Of course. And there you have it. That is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. If you did, I would love to hear what's resonating for you. Send me a DM on Instagram or share the episode to your stories and tag me so that I can see that you're listening and hopefully loving it. 
You can also share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it and spread some intuitive eating love to everyone around you. As always, five-star ratings and reviews are so appreciated, so you can drop me one of those. Be sure to also check out the show notes for all the links that I mentioned and more information on myself and my nutrition private practice. Other than all that, I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I will catch you in the next episode.